everybody. Welcome back. I'm Katie. And I'm Kate. And this is Premeditated. Oh, wow. That, yeah. that end part was great. I know. You don't have been to practicing tell me. this week in front of a mirror. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. With a microphone. Yeah. Just like I did Hello. for my work video. <laughs> practiced yeah kate uh had to record a video for work and of course i was the director yes if you will um and so we walked around her house today and recorded kate making jokes and telling us all about her awesome job yeah that was pretty fun yeah it was fun i cannot wait to see the final product because it's gonna be great uh so how about that art show friday night oh my god so kate (laughs) invited me last week to an art show and she was like, listen, just like to preface this, <laughs> it's going to be fucking weird. Yeah. And I'm like, totally. I'm down. Yes. Like, Let me get a sitter. We're going to do it. Yeah. And, and yeah. it, it was definitely like out of our league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, it was it's so strange because similarly, like you are an artist, like you very much respect art. I like art and I like will be drawn to certain things, but I'm not, I wouldn't like have fun at like an art museum really per se, unless yeah. it was like something that I knew, but I also, but I think I'm. I've got like this like woo woo part of me where I'm like, I really like, I'm interested in like, you know, eclectic things and different yeah. stuff. So I was like, oh, this will, you know, I bet this yeah. will be right at my, no, it was like totally like, it was like a perfect, strange. It, yeah. it was like John Malkovich kissing the Pope. Yeah. That was, a, that's what it, it was so strange. And it's my massage therapists. My massage therapist is the artist and he's talented. I mean, you can't deny it. There was literally a man walking around with ringing bells and we couldn't, I did not know what he was. What the yeah. So he was the artist. Yeah. And he would just have these like little bells and I was like, ding. And I'm like, well, and then the band was just like a jam session. There was a man of- yeah. His literal job was to whistle. Was to whistle. He just whistled. And not play the bongos, but pet them. Yeah. Needless to say, it was an experience. <laughs> we stayed for 30 minutes yeah. at most. It was, a, it was something. Yeah. But I'm glad we went to support yeah, me too. him. So that was our weekend. What about you? Yeah. No, but seriously, thank you guys for coming back for another week. Yeah. So I decided to do California. Ooh, that's a big one. I was going to do... The Ozarks. That's right. Yeah. Uh, specifically Arkansas. Yeah. And I got halfway through this book, 500 pages, and I was getting my hair done and I was reading it and I was like, wait a minute. These people are saying like the guy that was supposedly killed, people are having sightings of him after he was supposedly killed. And then I skipped ahead a few more pages and it was like, so-and-so confirmed that he was still alive it started to like indicate that maybe he wasn't murdered, which is the point of our show. So I was like, I kind of need to know this. I need to know if he was actually murdered. (gasps) Nope. I looked it up online when I got home Uh, and he, maybe he was murdered. And this other guy was just a really good imposter, but either way it was too iffy for me to present it on the podcast. Sure. I mean, you had to choose something else. I have a respect for integrity. (laughs) We have a duty. To, to provide factual murder. information about murder. About murder. So then you had to switch gears. I had to switch you had gears. To pivot, as we say. I in had to pivot. <laughs> had to pivot a little bit. I had to circle the wagons, <laughs> did a little noodling, and pulled the trigger on on California. Okay. So well, without so, further ado, yeah. What are we talking about tonight? The Gorilla Man. Never heard of this, and I cannot wait because that is a name. Yeah. 
He's also called the Dark Strangler. Oh, okay. okay. But I prefer the Gorilla yeah, Man. Yeah, we're going to stick with that. Our listeners might have heard of him, but I know everything. <laughs> I obviously know everything there is <laughs> yeah. to know about anything. About murder. And I had vaguely heard of him, but let's just say I was not in the know. I have not heard of him, so yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Based on a book also by Harold Schechter. Yeah. Just like... You know, your the book's Hell's about, Bells. Yeah. yeah. All right. The mm-hmm. Gorilla Man. So Earl Leonard Nelson. He was the nation's first known sexually motivated serial murderer. Really? Yes. Okay. First known. Right. Because I think, yeah, I think most serial killers, like men, like yeah. I think there's like I don't know, a large portion of them are yeah sexually motivated so uh earl leonard nelson was born earl leonard farrell which later you'll think it's kind of ironic because he acts feral like this guy's batshit crazy okay um he was born in san francisco california on may 12th 1897 and his parents james farrell and fanny nelson died of syphilis both parents died of syphilis? Yeah. Yikes. I mean, I guess that is... That's what Shakespeare had, right? Is it like... I, I never know that like there's syphilis. That one goes to your brain and causes you yeah, crazy. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I think that's... Before he was two years old, they died. Oh, so funny. Yeah. So, I mean, you do... That'll fuck you up. Yeah. There's a few things in here that fuck him up. Yeah. Um, no excuse for killing upwards of 22 women. But Earl found a home with his maternal grandparents. Okay. So Lars. 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 And Mary Nelson were his grandparents, and they were raising their own five children. Lars and Jenny were Pentecostals, which already will fuck you up as a I don't kid. know what a Pentecostal is. Oh, rolling in the aisles and speaking in tongues oh, no and, way. yeah, snake charmers and, Yeeks. yeah, who raised children to believe sex outside of the marriage bed. Even the thought of it meant... You were going to go to hell. Oh, yes. That's rough. Earl's childhood was marred by illness. Near brushes with death were common for this dude. Yeah. He almost died from diphtheria at age nine. Oh, my God. When he was 10, he was hit by a streetcar while riding his bicycle. He sustained an injury to his temple and he remained unconscious for six days. (gasps) Oh, my God. He recovered physically, mentally. No. Obviously. He was never the same. He suffered, and that actually comes into his trial later. Absolutely. Like, they're like, Brain trauma. is he really responsible for his actions? He suffered from bouts of headaches, memory loss, and mm-hmm. developed a morbid disposition. Same, with, you know. Same, same. He became a withdrawn and sullen child, afraid of anything God might regard as unholy. Um, yeah. That's what that's, that upbringing yeah, does That sucks. If there are any of you that have had a positive Pentecostal upbringing, please let us know, because I don't think... It exists, but that's I don't know just my opinion. one way or another, but I would like to hear from you. Either I would way. like, I would like, <laughs> you're always pre- trying to bait them into getting, yeah. sending you emails at the premeditated podcast at gmail.com. You know Why don't you just contact one of the inmates? I know you want to do <laughs> it. I really like do. I really do. Because you, you make some pen pals. You would definitely get emails. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Take some nice pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Earl was expelled from school at age seven. Oh, Jesus. Poor kid. He, this kid is fucked up. Yeah. His childhood's bad. Uh, <laughs> I like how it, his childhood's yeah. real bad. He's fucked up and you're like, it's not good. Yeah. He talked to people no one else could see. 
And he quoted scripture at the top of his lungs, specifically scriptures that mentioned the beast. Oh, Lord. Which is interesting because he became a beast. So as a preteen, Earl refused to eat the food prepared for him. Instead, he threw scraps of food on a plate and mixed it with a bottle of olive oil. That's it. Earl would slurp this meal from his plate (gasps) instead of using silverware. Um, His aunt would later say that Earl ate five times more than a child his age should. So was he big? Did he like? No. Really? He just, he, he ended up being stocky. And honestly, if you have like an oil diet, it probably goes literally right through you. Yeah. You're just like drinking oil. Yeah. I, I think that lubes up the, yeah. Yeah. The innards, your innards, the water slides open. (laughs) Yeah. It's. But your hair would be really shiny. Yeah, yeah I mean, at least yeah. that. Yeah, your skin would be Yeah, bad. what does it say about his skin and hair, Kate? Oh, his skin was bad. <laughs> when his grandmother offered him clean clothing, he would trade it for, like, ragged used clothing. Yeah. Oh, this kid. It's this kid. Yeah. So, so far, not good. Uh, Lars died in 1904, his grandfather, and Jenny followed in 1907. Uh, that's his grandmother. 14-year-old Earl went to live with his Aunt Lillian. Earl obsessively changed his clothing. And like I said, he preferred uh, rags over a new new suit, which she got for him. Right. Um, he refused to interact with anyone outside of the family. He especially shunned relationships with other children. Instead of talking with Lillian's, his aunt, uh, Lillian's female visitors, Earl would lift heavy, heavy objects with his teeth or walk into the room on his hands okay i mean i'm sorry it like like this child is literally possessed like like, that is so messed up yeah it gets worse but that just goes to show you if you have a diet that consists mostly of olive oil you can do handstands (laughs) (laughs) that's what you took out of it Though Earl wasn't tall, he developed distinctively large hands and feet. So hence the, why he gets the the nickname, the Gorilla Man I literally later. cannot. This child. Like, yeah. He can't win. He's a fucking mutant. Yes. This he's, poor He did have really child. straight teeth, though. He oh. had really straight white teeth. And he never cleaned them. So that was, I'm amazed they stayed that way. But yeah, he was of traditional Scandinavian um, and Spanish descent. So, oh, that's an interesting. So he yeah. had like olive colored skin. Okay. He was mostly Scandinavian. Okay. Lillian became afraid of Earl when he started, and that's his aunt, remember, <clears throat> when he started saying dirty things to and about her daughter. So his who, cousin. Yeah, his cousin, who was like a little girl. Oh, no. Yeah. He even peeked at the girl when she dressed. Though his aunt loved him, she gave Earl money to sleep elsewhere. Like she was like. She knew. I yeah. mean, like. That's a hard thing. He clearly needed help during a time when, like, mental illness was not. No. Was not. Oh, no, no. Focused on. And if, if anything, they would have said he's possessed. He needs to go into some sort of psych ward and he would have died. Well, that's like, what happens later. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. so it, it's really sad that he, and she was probably just caring for him the best way that she knew how. Right. Exactly. While protecting her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Earl began spending his time in the red light district of San Francisco, where he had his first sexual experiences. Earl also started drinking to excess. He was arrested for robbery on July 28, 1915, and sentenced to two years in San Quentin State Prison. In 1917, when he got out, uh, he enlisted in the United States Army. 
And so this was, I mean, that was World War One. But how old was he at this point? Because he was born in 97. 1897, I believe, was the year. Yeah, 1897. So he would have been like 20, 21. Yeah, still pretty young. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so he was 20 years old in 1917. And Earl, after he enlisted in the, the army, he deserted six weeks later. Sure. He next used an alias to join the Navy, but deserted again. Wow. Okay. In 1918, when he was like 21, yeah. a naval psychiatrist had him committed and declared Earl was in a constitutional psychotic state. Yeah. After two escapes, he was discharged on May 17th, 1919. Constant suppression of like his sexual drive and his lustful thoughts just started turning bigger and more grotesque. And Earl did his best to not act on them. Okay. But on May 19th, 1918, Earl Mm. pretended to be a plumber and he gained entry to the home of Charles Summers. He encountered Charles' 12-year-old daughter, Mary, and tried to assault her sexually. Mary screamed as loud as she could, which alerted her older brother. And Earl fled, but the police caught up to him and arrested him. So then the judge sent Earl to Napa State Mental Hospital after finding him insane. Yeah. Uh, Doctors believed he was incurably insane and recommended he remain institutionalized for the rest of his life. Yeah. I mean, that's not surprising. And at a time, again, they don't have, like facilities or right. really good care for mentally mm. ill patients and he lo- like he clearly is mentally ill so earl escaped from that mental hospital three times and the staff just quit bothering to yeah him. i mean like yeah. holy crap if he's not in the navy anymore and a navy psychiatrist had him committed yeah like you know they're not gonna care between these escapes, uh, Earl worked at a hospital as a janitor and even married one of the nurses. What? Yeah, get this. So Earl's new wife was 38 years older than him. What? Yeah. Oh, that's actually really sad. You think of like the stigma of being a single woman yeah. in those days and she was probably just looking for anyone. That's kind of what Harold Schechter's book like that indicated was she there she was quiet. Yeah. And dowdy. Yeah. And, you know, she was an old maid and hadn't been married. And he, by all accounts, was semi good looking. Yeah. Like, but he could be very charming. Yeah. And that's how he got into houses. Yeah. So, so his wife's name was Mary. And during the marriage, Earl apparently refused to bathe and was prone to violent outbursts. And when Mary would ask him to bathe, he would pour water on his feet and say that was good enough. I'm going to barf. Yeah. I, like, no. Can you imagine how that smells? The, your feet are stinky, yes. But, like, there are body parts of yours that are much worse than your feet. Keith got done with a job once. Uh, he worked overtime that day. And his he came home in his work boots. And they were his feet were all sweaty. And it literally smelled so bad. <laughs> he took a shower. And they still smelled. I had to pour laundry detergent in the bathtub (laughs) and they still smell. It was really bad. It was really, and like, he was like, I can't smell it. You're like, Oh, well I can. You stink. Well, what do you think I am? I'm not a fucking bloodhound. Like (laughs) I can smell it. I have a normal nose. I have a normal sense of smell. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. 
Anyway, he wasn't as bad as Earl. So uh, Mary left Earl shortly after the marriage began. Yeah. So I think there were some indications that he was abusive towards her. Um, and also in Harold Schechter's book, like her boss, since they both worked at the same place, like her boss had to shield her a couple times when Earl was like chasing her around a room and they banned Earl from coming back. And he would just show up. And God. yeah, so she was done with it. Yeah. Little did anyone know the worst was yet to come oh, still no. with our own Nelson. So this is where we get started with the murders. Are you guys all ready? Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? ready for the murder? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. On February 20th, 1926, 55-year-old Clara Newman was strangled to death. Clara owned a rooming house in San Francisco and had a sign in the window advertising a vacancy. At 1.30 p.m., a man came in and asked Clara to show him the room, which was in the attic. So her nephew, Merton, lived downstairs. Mm-hmm. I just love that name. Merton. That is a good name. Merton. Merton. Mr. Merton. Merton. He saw the man enter with Clara and provided a description. He was about 30 years old. 5'7", and wore an army shirt with civilian pants. He had a dark complexion, but he wasn't black. Okay. He wasn't in the attic long before he came down and he said to Merton, tell the lady I'll be back in about a half an hour uh, to rent that room. So the man never returned after that. Okay. After a half an hour, Merton went to check on Clara and discovered her lifeless body. Oh, Jesus. With a cord wrapped tightly around her neck. Merton called the police who found no trace of the murderer. Oh, God. Like, that's how crazy he is, though. He just walks into a house. Yeah. And he's like, hey, show me the room. Cool. I'll be Murders back. her. Yeah. And then just walks cool, cool as a cucumber right and back like, out. And, like, completely, like, he wasn't wearing any mask. Not, people yeah. saw him. They just know what he looks like. Yeah. And he's, God, that's, that's ballsy. Then, so that was on, that was in February. And then on... May 2nd, 65-year-old Laura Beal, owner of the Deer Park Apartments in San Jose, California. Do you know the way to San Jose? La, 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 la. The only reason I know that song is from my, my best, best friend's, friend's wedding. wedding. Yep. Yep. That's the, the only, only way I only, know it, too. Only reason. Yep. <laughs> and I really wanted to do it when I was reading this book, and so I specifically noted, sing the song. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to sing the song. Yeah. God, that movie. It's oh. such a good movie. I love Rupert Everett in that movie. <gasps> Everything love, about that Love movie. the hair, love the hat, love the bag, love yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, back to the murders. So so the this owner of the Deer Park Apartments in San Jose. Yep. I really want to do it again. <laughs> uh, was found strangled to death. Her husband found her corpse on a bed in a vacant apartment strangled with the silk belt from her dress. Oh. Further examination revealed that Laura was also raped after she was murdered. After she was Jesus. murdered. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. So you got some necrophilia. Yeah. Not surprising from this. And he did the same thing to Clara. Okay. Now both of these women were like upper fifties. Right. Huh. Interesting. Well, Laura Beale was 65. Yeah. And that was, so that was the second victim. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and his wife was 38 years older than him, too. So he was, like, clearly interested in 50s, 60s, 70s-ish yeah. women. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying you're going to end up being a psychotic killer with horrible hygiene, but... But you might be. But you might be. <laughs> might be a gorilla, man. I wonder what they would, like, call me if I became a murderer. Probably call me Amazon. <gasps> <laughs> yeah like what distinguishing features do you have i mean you're tall Nothing. but that's not like that you're not like i don't think you're abnormally tall oh i'm knock kneed oh i have webbed toes that's 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 it you call me the webbed toe bandit <laughs> yeah. 
Flipper. <laughs> they call me the duck. They call you Flipper. They call me Flipper. <laughs> the quack quack killer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, <laughs> so fun. A little over a month later in San Francisco, so this must have been June, a 63-year-old rooming house owner named Lillian St. Mary was murdered in a vacant rental room. Oh, my gosh. So same, I'm guessing it's the same spiel he pulls. Like the others, Lillian had had been strangled after a horrible struggle. Okay. And sexually assaulted. Oh, so. And all of these, I mean, you haven't meant, but they're, they haven't, they're not like suspecting anyone. They no. don't have, they're they, just they, like. Because is, we, they don't, I mean, they don't have DNA. Right. They only have eyewitness accounts. Right. Yeah. And he's only been committed and he's been arrested. But again, there's that interstate, you know, inner, inner well, even city, in between inner, cities. Yeah. Yeah. The police suspected Lillian, Laura, and Clara were killed by the same attacker. Yeah. They were all landladies around the same age. So yeah. the newspapers began calling the attacker the dark strangler and the gorilla killer due to his large hands and long arms. Police suspected the perpetrator was a patient at one of the Bay Area asylums and began examining such records. Oh. So why did they, did they just know about his long arms from the first eyewitness? eyewitness? Accounts. Okay. Yeah. Because neighbors too, like I, the sure. nephew in Lillian's case, like she, he was a, a good eyewitness, but I think neighbors saw. Right. Meanwhile, the killings continued. So Ollie Russell of Santa Barbara was strangled on June 24th. Mary Nisbet was strangled with a towel in Oakland on August 16th. Both women were middle-aged landladies showing a vacancy. Both had been sexually assaulted Uh, after they had been strangled. uh, Yeah. The California killings stopped for a while, though similar crimes began in Portland, Oregon. Wow, really? Yeah. So he's he's traveling. He's on the road. Right. On October 19th, 1926, Beta Withers was murdered by strangulation and then raped. The murderer stuffed her body in a trunk found by her 15-year-old son. So God. Yeah. And it's a different. That's like a that's a drastic. I mean, like that's between leaving someone's body as is and like trying to hide. Well, and he got home from school and was like, couldn't find his mom. Oh my God. And so he, he called or he, he got a, a close family friend to come over and was like, I can't find her anywhere. And then they looked all over the house again and couldn't find her. And then it just, what a by chance nightmare. went up into the attic and he opened that trunk Get this part. So investigators originally ruled it a suicide. Due to, yeah, because she had a ligature around her neck and she was in the trunk. And they somehow surmised that she, that she, because she was depressed or something over like a lover's quarrel or something. That she went and hid in a trunk. That she and- shut herself in a trunk and strangled herself. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully due to so that's some good police work. The, the, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think you get detective over that, here for that. The trunk reminds me, did you ever read scary stories? Those like books. Oh, scary stories that you read in the dark books. No. I think oh that my was, God. That must've been a little bit after that was like, that, just yeah. like, yeah. Cause Oh my God. Those books were life at the cabin. We had all of them and would read them around the campfire. And one of the stories was about these kids that were playing hide and seek. And a kid went and hid in a trunk upstairs and it got locked. <gasps> and the kid died. Dude. Yeah, these stories were fucked up. Like, it's like, I'm like afraid of the dark. <laughs> like, what? These are children's. These are marketed to children. It's like the show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. You, you watch that one. 
No. Oh my God. Yeah, that was we didn't have TV growing up. Yeah, well, right. of course, I probably would. I probably would have been. Too Honest to God, that. it is. I to this day am scared of those shows. Well, and it was on Nickelodeon. It was for fucking kids. Oh yeah, terrifying. We had the intro itself will give you shivers. Oh my God, it's horrifying. Seriously, I'll have to play it for you. Actually, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> I gotta. You gotta see this, okay? You gotta see. Okay. It. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was in junior high. We're going to start an episode. Um, so you can... Let's just watch the intro here. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's fucking terrifying, Kate. And also, some of these are truly, should, like, horrific. Okay, here we go. I know. Okay, ready? Here, here we go. Okay, what? No. <laughs> What? My. <laughs> Isn't it horrifying? Your so face, scary. Okay, we don't have to watch it because it's a scary franchise. See, Bobby Joy would have never let us watch that, even if it was on when we were young. It was she would have called it the devil's work. Oh my god, it was terrifying. Oh, yeah, so again, how do we? We had R.L. Stein. Oh yeah, I mean similar. Yeah, like goosebumps. It yeah, was similar. But that show was terrifying. Oh, Just absolutely god. horrifying. Um. So anyway, the trunk. That's how we got there. Yeah, the trunk. Yeah. So, but so she didn't. She didn't commit suicide. She did Well, the, due to the outcry of her family, they were like, "What the." Fuck. Yeah, like would, obviously that's if not, she was gonna do it, she wouldn't do that in a trunk. Like, right. Who would? Who that's would? A terrible way to kill yourself. Not I can't even watch movies where they go into caves. Yeah. Like, like the movie Thirteen Lives is out, which is about the based off of the thirteen. Oh, like Thai uh, soccer bo- players soccer players that get trapped in a cave, and I can't watch it because like, no. I'm like, no, in an enclosed space, no. no. Keith's always talking about going spelunking with his dad. Like, that's what he did growing up. And he's like, we should do that. And I was like, have fun. I will totally go with him. Oh, you go with him. Yeah, I will. You guys have fun. <laughs> Getting tarantulas and bat shit in your hair. I we'll don't st- want to be... I'll absolutely get stuck somewhere. I will. Oh, I totally would. I am, like, fearless. I'll be like, I can fit. And then yeah. I'll be like, I'm stuck. Keith, push my feet. Yeah, so thankfully due to her family... Uh, Constantly saying, like, hey, you need to reevaluate this. Then the coroner actually ruled uh, it a homicide. So, um, but that just goes to bravo, show. Bravo, you know. You know, if you're a woman that has, you know, an emotion and then you're murdered, you, it's ki- you killed yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, she, she was strangled by herself, obviously. Yeah. She was crazy. Yeah. You saw her crying once? Oh, okay. <laughs> So after they ruled her death a homicide, we get to the next day, literally the next day oh after Beta Weathers was killed. Virginia Grant, age 59, was killed in the same manner. Oh, shoot. The day after Wait, that. Wait, the trunk situation too? Or no, just strangled. strangled. Okay. Uh, the day after that, <gasps> Mabel Fluke's body was discovered in the attic of her boarding house. Mabel? Did you hear that big Mabel? Katie has a cat named Mabel. Yeah, sorry. So we didn't just like. <laughs> we're we not, yeah. Clarify that. 
Uh, and my other cat's name is Big Head, who is sitting next to Kate on the couch. Didn't you originally name him Biggins? No, his name was Mr. Big Head, Biggins for short. And oh. I was like, you should adopt him because yeah. then he could be Biggins Higgins. Biggins Higgins. <laughs> that would be amazing. It sounds that like The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Portland murders stopped almost as quickly as they began. But if you think about it, like, he murdered every day for three days. That is insane. And so... How many people in Portland had he murdered? Like a handful, five or so, or was it just uh, those three? Th- it was those three. Okay. So you've got Beta Withers. The next day you got Virginia Grant. The next day you got Mabel Flukes, and then they stopped in okay. Portland. Activity picked back up in Literally. San Francisco. So activity started in Portland on October nineteenth. And on November 18th, 1926, 56-year-old Anna Edmonds was strangled to death with a rag and raped in her San Francisco home. Jesus. Yeah. How far away are Portland and San Francisco? No, not far at all. Okay, not like far a few at all. hours? Or? Yeah. Probably. A, it's about six hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's in today. Like That's today. Like, oh, yeah. This is probably horse and buggy. But a tra- no, a train. Yeah. Like, you could take horse and buggy? You know what, Kate? Well, <laughs> invented roughly the third I, I don't know i take it back i am not doing a trivia night with you <laughs> i could tell you the math okay i could pick out states think of that yeah i got skills you do it's not about when cars were invented because i could not tell you like sometime between 19 i don't know 20 ish and when were they invented when did cars happen before that? I feel like I literally picture like horse and buggies until the fifties. <laughs> you could be right before my dad was born. They were still just like driving around with horse and buggies. Well, okay. So think about it. So world war one, right? Horses. <laughs> right. When was the, let's look this up for Katie's benefit because she keeps thinking that like I literally in the nineteen forties I picture like in New York homes. City yeah. a horse drawn carriage. That's true. I think the first true automobile was in eighteen eighty six. Owning a car before the nineteen twenties was pretty rare. Okay, but the train was a thing. Yeah, I like forget about the train, which like the train was around like eighteen hundreds, right? Yeah, like, yeah, eighteen hundreds. Yeah, I like figured the only mode of transportation was because when was the Oregon Trail? Was it like the 1800s, right? I don't know. Yeah, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. And this is what I'm picturing. Like, you know, like. Did you say Oregon? Yep. Yep. Sure did. <laughs> sure did. I won't rag on you anymore because <laughs> that I could go for a while. <laughs> Okay, so for Katie's benefit, we figured out that cars were becoming a more regular occurrence Around. about 1920. Trains were in existence like all before the, that. Yeah. All right. Noted. Are we good? Yeah, I feel okay. like I can ace the history tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I look like really good at history, too. But it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. You pick and choose what you <laughs> yeah, remember. Exactly. Like, play me a Spice Girl song, I'll know every single word. Well, except the one where you can't understand the words. Yeah, even then. Yeah. <laughs> I know the words that I knew back then. So they're like, oh, what, 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 what? Yeah, yeah. That's probably not the words, but I 100% know that's what I thought they were in 1998. Oh, my God. 
Well, my sister and I used to think that the Amadeus song was saying hot potato because that's what I thought it was. That's hot what potato, we did too. Hot potato, hot potato, hot potato. See, it wasn't just me. Yeah, I for sure thought it was hot potato. Oh, we would we would sing hot potato yeah, all the that's, time. I, had, I yeah. thought that's what it was. And um, I, honestly, if you would have been like, "What's that song?" It goes hot potato, hot potato. I'd be like, "I know that's it's not hot potato, but I don't know what it is." Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm guessing it's Hamadea. Hamadea. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, okay. So now that we've got transport, <laughs> the history of transportation yeah. figured out. So you could get from Portland to <clears throat> San Francisco. Yeah. In oh, for sure, six hours roughly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would probably be more like a day. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. So after that murder <laughs> on November eighteenth, nineteen twenty-six, the next day, so we're starting up oh again. Oh my gosh. The Dark Strangler, a.k.a. the Gorilla Man, yeah. attacked a pregnant woman named Mrs. H.C. Murray of Burlingame, California. Mrs. Murray placed an advertisement for a room in her home, and at 6 p.m., a man who fit previous descriptions of the Strangler arrived to view the vacancy. He attacked her almost as soon as he entered the home, but she fought back. And yeah, she did. She scratched his face and hands and screamed so loud the neighbors came. Good. So lots of eyewitnesses. Yeah. So the eight months pregnant woman survived oh, and the strangler thank fled. God. But see, he's not, he's not. God, he doesn't have any care in the world for who he kills. He's just like. So the fact that Mrs. Murray survived spooked Earl. So he left California for the Pacific Northwest Jesus. again. Okay. This time uh, the killer struck in Seattle. Oh, where he murdered Mrs. Florence Monks on November 23rd, 1926. So, Oh my God. This is all because he started in 1926. He started yeah. like roughly in April, right? Or March or February. something. February. Yeah. He has killed, I don't know, a dozen at least women yeah. in 11, 10 months. Yeah. Jesus. He's going day to day to day. Right. Like if November 18th, Anna Edmonds was strangled to death with a rag in her San Francisco home. Then he attacks the pregnant woman the next day. Then he gets spooked and he goes to the Pacific Northwest. So you're looking November 19th. Then on November 23rd is when he kills a woman in Seattle. Jesus, please. He's just completely reckless. Right. Like the killer ransacked the home and made off with $10,000 in jewelry. Mrs. Florence Monks, she was known to wear expensive jewelry even to the grocery store. And she had a bag of diamonds sewn into her skirts. And her friends would tell her, like, you should not go out with all that jewelry. Right. And she was like, you know, who who cares? You know, they're not going to attack me or whatever. So she was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she was dead wrong. Oh! <laughs> I was trying to come up with a funny diamond pun, but I can't. <laughs> so Your sense of humor is dulling. <laughs> that was a sharp cut. <laughs> oh, you're starting to act like a princess. <gasps> now you're just mining for insults. <laughs> oh my god, we're, oh, we're, we're, so, we're so stupid. I know we are. That's a gem, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, six days later in Portland, six days later. Blanche Myers was strangled in her home. Blanche also offered rooms for rent. So after her death, the killer raped her body and placed her in a bed. This time, police found fingerprints on her wrought iron bedposts. Edna Gaylord operated a rooming house in Portland. 
Her tenant, Sophie Yates, revealed that before the murder of Blanche Myers, a shabbily dressed man came to the home around 10 a.m. He was short and stocky with a dark complexion. He tipped his hat at Miss Yates and introduced himself as Adrian Harris. And he's also doing these during the day. That is so insane. Yeah, he's just walking he's out just the door. Fearless. He doesn't care. Yeah. That just goes yeah, to show you right, like he's not right he's in not the right. head. Clearly he was hit by a streetcar. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things there's that happened. There's a lot of things that happened. <laughs> Adrian rented a room. So quote unquote, Adrian. Sight unseen, and the three just really got along. Adrian even purchased a Thanksgiving dinner when Edna complained she couldn't afford one herself. Although he paid a week's rent, he vacated the room two days early. When he did, he gifted the ladies several pieces of expensive jewelry, which when Edna went directly to the police after Blanche was killed, they confirmed that the jewels belonged to Florence Monk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's generous. But he's a killer. But he murders people. But he murders. December 23rd, 1926, the Strangler made an appearance in Iowa. What? Yeah. He's just traversing the country. Jeez. Yeah. So December 23rd, 1926, the Strangler made an appearance in Iowa when Elmira Berard was strangled in her council bluffs home. Initially, the crime wasn't linked to the Dark Strangler. Yeah. Obviously, because of the right. geography. He'd stayed on the West Coast until then. Um, until an examination proved that she was also raped. A neighbor last saw Amira with a shabbily dressed man of about 30 years old who called himself Mr. Williams. So he's always referred to as shabbily dressed right. and like. Was this super the only one in, in Iowa? Yes. So that one, I mean, like it 100% could be him, but like it could be another fucking weirdo that exists that obviously there were weirdos at that time. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to say there was other evidence that pointed to him, but there really wasn't. It yeah. was just an eyewitness and likely him. And later when they caught him, he could not provide an alibi for where he was. Sure. And then he just confessed. Okay. Yeah. The killer drifted south to Kansas City, Missouri, where on December 27th, so this was literally four days later, he raped and murdered 23-year-old Bonnie Pace. Oh. The very next day. Germania Harpin suffered the same fate. Oh, jeez. Germania's infant son, Robert, was home during the killing. He did not survive. I won't go into detail. And the infant who was eight months old became the youngest victim at that point. So yeah, he really doesn't discriminate. Oh my God. Both women had a for rent sign displayed. So the gorilla man ceased his activity for four months while he made his way east. Then on April 27th, 1927. So now we're in the next year um, from when he first began. He murdered Mary McConnell in her Philadelphia home. Oh my God. Yeah. The McConnells had been trying to sell their home for a year. A for sale sign hung in the window, and uh, she was 53 years old. Oh. The next day, the killer tried to pawn jewelry stolen from Mary. And these are all ones that he confessed to later. Right. Almost a month later, he traveled to Buffalo, New York. He raped and murdered Jenny Randolph on May 30th, 1927. Jenny recently lost her son and worked at the YMCA to take her mind off her grief. Oh, she- my God. She also let out rooms for extra income. So on May 27th, a man inquired about a vacancy. Jenny's brother, Gideon Gillette, answered the door that day. The prospective tenant introduced himself as Charles Harrison, a painter from New York, and fit the descriptions of the Strangler. Sure. God, and the fact that he travels all over the place, I'm sure he talks about it later, why he did that. Was it purely to go to different places to kill, or was he running? He was yeah. running. He just hopped. He assumed that someday he would get caught. Yeah. He just hopped trains and rode them to wherever they went. That is terrifying. After the New York crimes, the Strangler moved on to Detroit. 
Okay. So on June 1st, 1927, so this is a year and four months after he first started, police broke down the door of a second floor apartment when the owner complained of the lights remaining on for three days. Once inside, they found the bodies, plural, bodies of 29-year-old Maureen Oswald Atordi and her 59-year-old landlady, Fannie Mae. Two at the same time. The home was ransacked and both women were strangled. Oh, gosh. The killer left Detroit and went to Chicago, where he committed his last murder in the United States. On June 2nd, Mary Sietzma was found dead in her home with a wire around her neck and her skull crushed. There was no trace of the killer. I mean, to go from just strangling to crushing her skull mm-hmm. as well. That's interesting. Well, he had large hands. Yeah. And he was extremely strong. Oh. Yeah. He used to come into rooms walking on his hands. So. <laughs> Which is the creepiest thing you can, I could like, he could literally. pick up a chair with his teeth, you know. That is like exorcist type shit. Yeah. Uh, the killer slipped into Canada unnoticed. Good old Canada. Yeah. They're like, come on in. Come on in. Have some poutine. Have some poutine. We're some little butter tarts. Yeah. There's our loonies and our toonies. And <laughs> just don't kill anyone. This is, yeah, yeah. If you could just not do that, that'd be great. <laughs> we don't kill people up here. No, in we don't. You never can do a Canadian accent. You always like <laughs> I know. turn into something else. I know. I know. <laughs> so what accent I can't do? <laughs> Among others. Um, <laughs> It's just the one. Just the one. Others. Oh, sorry. On June 8th, a man calling himself Mr. Woodcotts checked himself into Mrs. Hill's boarding house in Winnipeg. That day, 14-year-old Lola Cohen went door-to-door in her Winnipeg neighborhood selling artificial flowers made by her sister. She never came home. Oh. Mr. Woodcotts left suddenly and didn't close the door to his room. Mrs. Hill came in to clean the now vacant room and failed to check under the bed. No. She rented the room out again within three days. The new tenant discovered the body of Lola shoved beneath the bed. That is repulsive. She had been savagely murdered and raped. Oh, honey. And actually, she was mutilated also. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so pretty. God, he is really like, I mean, he's turning the heat up. His brutality is just getting worse. Right. Because, I mean, not to say, but strangling, there's it's like a, there's like a cleanliness. There's right? not it's, blood yeah, involved. Yeah. Right. But like mutilation, killing a child. Yep. I mean, all of that stuff is absolutely. Yeah. So he's definitely escalating. Yeah. Two days later, Emily Patterson was murdered, also in Winnipeg. Her body was stuffed under her son's bed and was not discovered. Her husband came home with her son and couldn't find her anywhere. Her little son. I'm um, I'm in a bar. And then when he knelt down to say prayers with his son that night, he discovered her body. Oh, sweet Jesus. That is horrific. And by all accounts, her husband, like naturally, just lost his mind. I mean, you would never be the no, same after that. No, yeah. no. But he also stole from Emily Patterson. So he stole a whip cord suit. Oh, it's like a corduroy. Yeah, right. A gold wedding ring and $70. Immediately, Canadian police broadcasted a description of Mr. Woodcotts over the radio. They also cautioned women not to allow strangers into their house under any pretense, especially yeah. to rent a room. I don't understand why they didn't fucking do that in... I mean, maybe they did do it in right. Portland and San Francisco, but I think in the U.S. they're all about like, well, let's not alarm the public. Yeah, right. I mean, they just, the government just told us about UFOs. Yeah. So right. like, Canada probably released that information a long time ago. <laughs> they're like, what? We've had aliens for like since the 70s. You guys just got aliens? <laughs> you guys, this is so far behind. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
Only they'd say it really nice. So police recognized the man that they sought was the dark strangler of the United States. Um, investigators predicted the killer w- would head back to the States and alerted railroad employees to be on the lookout. The day after the Patterson murder, a local jeweler named Fred England purchased a wedding ring and a suit that turned out to be those stolen during the crime. Oh, shoot. The man who sold the items went to the barbershop next door for a shave and a haircut. Dried blood and scratches covered the man's scalp. When the barber, Nicholas Tabor, asked about them, the man grew irritable and told him not to touch the injuries. Several reports of the Strangler sightings came from across Canada. On June 16, 1927, police in Killarney, Manitoba, arrested a man who matched the Strangler's description. Uh, The man called himself Virgil Wilson. He was calm and collected. He was not the raging maniac that they were expecting. expecting. Nevertheless, they kept him in jail just to kind of like rule him in or rule him out. Virgil found a file in his jail cell. <laughs> so in Schechter's book, he gives detail about this. The first thing that Earl Nelson saw when he went to his jail cell was a shelf. He went straight to that shelf when he wasn't being supervised anymore. He immediately was feeling around on the shelf and there was a file. Like, sure. A metal file. She's Louisa's. Okay. <laughs> And he used it to escape. Yeah, as you do. Yeah, so that's on them. Yeah, right. You literally left the tools yeah. for him to escape. Within his, like, in his cell. Reach. Yeah. You idiots. I wonder how many inmates were in that cell before him. You know, damn it. They're God, God damn it. Next time I better check the shelf. <laughs> he attempted to flee to the States by, again, hopping a train. The train he chose happened to be transporting members of the Winnipeg police. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about tough luck. Who were coming to to get him? Stop it! Really? No, yeah, they like he's in Manitoba now, and they were coming. The Winnipeg police were coming to get him. The good old RCMP, and he got on that. And train. he got on that train. Cool. Within twelve hours, he found himself jailed at the Rupert Street Police Station. Uh, they booked him in. They took his picture, fingerprints. Uh, the picture I'll include on Instagram. Okay. Uh, the photograph was distributed to police stations throughout Canada and the United States. Several witnesses confirmed that this Virgil Wilson was the same man they encountered during the U.S. murders. San Francisco police also matched Virgil's fingerprints to Earl Nelson's. So they've got him on a bunch they've of They've got him. Okay. They also matched fingerprints and teeth marks to those found at crime scenes. Uh, so he was using his teeth uh, to do stuff. Well, gross. Just gross. So, I mean, they have, it's always fascinating to me, like early 1900s, like fingerprints, teeth marks, things like that, that they really like, they had a lot more forensics. But Ted Bundy was the first time that it was admissible in court. Yeah. Yeah. Like a a teeth mold or whatever that teeth matching was That's so fascinating to me. It would be. (laughs) I hate, I hate teeth stuff. (laughs) Nail stuff and teeth stuff. (laughs) So at first Earl admitted to all the crimes. Did he just say that? Yes, I did, I did all the crimes. Yep. Yep. I did it. Yep. It was me. Don't. Yeah. It's definitely me. Yeah. Don't go any further. Nope. It's me. Later, he recanted his confession and insisted he was innocent. So he was like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. JK. I was just saying if I did it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, no. Not me. Uh, Earl Nelson's murder trial was scheduled to begin on June 27th, 1927. So a year and Holy four bananas. months. That is crazy. He just went on this killing spree. I mean, yeah. And hold on real quick. So uh-huh. June 27th, 1927. So like yeah. literally 
Once again, we talk about this all the time with these older ones. Like, when was he arrested? June sixteenth. So we, so yeah. Oh, we like and nine then he days. Escaped. Yeah, and then he escaped. Nine and days then later, within like, twelve right, hours, yeah, we're ready for trial. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, they went like, super no. fast. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Which in most cases was unfortunate oh, because absolutely. they really didn't care no. who they who they got. But no, this guy pre trial motions, none of that. It was yeah. just like let's just do it. Do if you were, if you go by the name Gorilla Man. You're definitely going to get charged nine days later. Absolutely. And you should. <laughs> and you really should. You can do handstands and lift your bed with your teeth all you want. There's uh, some issues there. Yeah. <laughs> There's some real issues. <laughs> His attorney requested a postponement, which was granted. The trial then began on November 1st, 1927 okay. in Winnipeg. Earl's ex-wife. Oh, remember sure. her? Yep. The old maid. Yep. Testified that Earl was insane and couldn't be responsible for his actions. Yeah. And honestly, I have to argue this. He sounds fucking crazy. Yeah. I I don't know. Like there's, I mean, everything you told me about childhood, like I, I don't know if I would say insane, like he didn't know what he was doing because it sounds like he probably did. But it's, he was committed and he was deemed insane by like a couple of medical professionals. Yeah. I and mean, there's just a different, like, I, I think that he'd probably be best suited in like a mental health facility, but do I think that he was like unaware of what he was doing? It doesn't yeah. sound like it. I mean, he was running from place to place. Yeah. So, so no, no, I, I agree. I think he does, you know, he's responsible yeah, for it. Definitely. Yes. You have to be responsible for your own actions. I also was wondering how do those mental hospital staffers feel the ones that, that just like, like quit returning him. They were like, all oh, Nelson ran off again. And they were like, not again. And they yeah. were like, shucks. Ugh. Like didn't they were like, well, yeah, he doesn't want to be here, I guess. So yeah, he doesn't want to be here and we don't want to go get him. Yeah. So no, I can't go time. get him. You, you, Bob, you? can you go get him? You, me. Oh, you. the wife is going to scream at me again. <laughs> can you go get him? No. Um, maybe we fucked up on that. Just yeah. shh. I won't tell if you won't I won't tell. tell if you won't tell. <laughs> Mum's the word. Uh. So many other witnesses placed him near the scene of his Canadian crimes. It was indisputable that he possessed Emily Patterson's jewelry and that he rented the room where Lola Cowan's body was found. Yeah. So Earl's attorney didn't attempt to argue his innocence. Instead, he asked the court for clemency because Earl was insane. The jury took no pity on Earl, sane or not, Earl Nelson was handed a swift death sentence on November 5th, 1927. Yeah. So two months later, early on the morning of January 13th, Earl Leonard Nelson was hanged for the murders of Emily Patterson and Lola Cowan at the Vaughn Street Jail in Winnipeg. And what was the date on that? January 13th, 1928. Yeah, like it's a few months at least. It's not like the next day, like a lot of times, but still that's... Almost two years to the day... After his first... After his first murder. Yeah. And also, keep in mind, like, the trial took place in Winnipeg, so the only thing that they had to prove was that he committed the crimes in Canada. Yeah. He, they didn't have to prove anything else. So did he go to death saying that, like, admitting that he had done everything? No. He actually said, his last words were, I am innocent. I stand innocent before God and man. I forgive those who have wronged me and ask forgiveness of those I have injured. God have mercy. Jeez. Deathbed stuff is so interesting to me because, like, what what does he have to lose by lying? Like, I was like, you know, like, well, and another another like he was quoted as saying something like like uh, the a detective from Portland 
went up to Winnipeg and was like, tell me about the murders you committed in Portland. And he was like, I've been caught. Why would I help you? Okay. But he was only convicted of the two murders in Canada. An American trial would have only prolonged his sentence in Canada. Still irrefutable evidence proves he was responsible for killing at least 20 women. Jesus. And then the crimes of Earl Nelson, the gorilla man, uh, loosely inspired Alfred Hitchcock's 1943. They had cars then. (laughs) Good to know. Alfred Hitchcock's 1943 film, Shadow of Doubt. Yeah, that's the story of Earl Leonard Nelson. Gosh, so he he admitted to doing it, but then he quickly took it back. And then after taking it back, he didn't. He didn't give any more confessions. God, I hate that. But it was clear. Yeah, well, like his teeth and the fingerprints and stuff like that. And the jewelry that he stole. And like, if you follow the trail. Also, when he confessed, he told them the route that he took. Like across the country. Yeah. It was like, first I went here and then I left. Okay. And this is how I got in. And like. That is fascinating. I have never heard of that. And that is also just absolutely horrifying. Yeah. What What a situation of victims of opportunity, right? Like just easy targets. Women who. Will open their door, show you a private room. Yeah. But yeah, back then they were like, you know, women would just open the door and, you know. Especially for money. Like, oh, you're going to pay to live here? Like, yeah, come on in. I'll show you. Yeah. Just disgusting. So that's, that's the story of the gorilla, man. (sighs) Good grief. Honestly, it's absolutely shocking to me that they connected all of those. Literally across the country. Iowa, California, Oregon. Look at his signature. Yeah. It's, but it's not like, I mean, like, and it is absolutely signature, but again, you have to think like there were other people during that time strangling people. It's more like eyewitness accounts and cause he was very unique looking. Yeah. He, I think eyewitness descriptions and then also just the, you know, him selling items that he had stolen from a previous murder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Also, I think that we should enlighten our listeners. Uh, We're going to post an image of this on Instagram. Of what we spent like 45 minutes doing before we recorded tonight. And we're so stupid. (laughs) I can't believe that we have college degrees. Like we're idiots. (laughs) I ordered these stickers that, to be fair, it's it said 55 stickers of the United States. And I assumed, which makes, you know, an ass out of you and right. me. I assumed it would be a sticker for every state and then like Puerto Rico and like some extra ones. Yeah. Turns out we don't think that it's all of the states. <laughs> uh, Katie has this janky map, as I mentioned on the, our last episode. It's beautiful, um, Kate. It's handmade. It's really confusing. And I personally blame the map, but it's not the map. The stickers are just like, you know, shapes of the state. They don't label which states they are. So we literally spent 45 minutes trying to find, you know, like California and South Dakota. Yep. And then finding like locating these blobs and being like, what the hell state is this? Yeah. And then I'm like really Kate I'm, is like determined. All she's stuff. She was trying to fit them. She's like, this square one looks like it could fit Nevada. I'm like, no, Kate, Nevada is not a square. So finally, I just ripped one side of it off. Fits now. Like, yeah. But we couldn't figure it out. And two, Katie's map is ridiculous. I don't understand why you couldn't have just gone to a gas station. You know what, Kate? Because I wanted to do it at home by myself with my printer. Okay. <laughs> And use an entire <laughs> roll of scotch tape because that's what I wanted to spend some of my free time on. 
okay? <laughs> I literally, if it weren't for Katie, I would have spent like the rest of the night I know, I was trying like, okay, to make those stickers work. Not- and then I'd pick up ones you'd already figured out or put down. And, and- there were like two Wisconsins. And I'm like, Kate, these are both Wisconsin. And she's like, ah, no. No, 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 it's I'm like they're literally, yes, they're they're both. You're like, like no ah! other state is shaped like this. It could be Ohio. Yeah, I know it's no, it's not. Okay. I'm geographically challenged. My seventh grade geography teacher, her name was Mrs. Lauer. She was a character for sure. But we'd have what was it called? Perfect Paper Club, I think. Were um, you part of Perfect oh, Paper I, Club? I was, of course I was. I was like Because this isn't perfect yeah, I, paper no, material. It was, it was just met, met, it, it was not art class, Kate. Okay. <laughs> Geography, <laughs> and you had to memorize, you know, like I know all the, the states song. The states and, okay, that's a great. That's the fifty fifty United States. It's a good quality to have from thirteen original call. I mean, that song never goes out of style. No, everyone, you know, between the ages of twenty nine, maybe probably thirty two and fifty, know that song. Yeah. I'd say yeah, which is a great age range. Yeah, know? it's like it's really like a connector for <laughs> from, from millennials the youngest millennial. To, yeah. Right. to the almost oldest right. Gen X. Yeah. <laughs> Are they still teaching that in schools? I doubt it. They don't even teach like cursive. So I doubt they're teaching 50 nifty. <laughs> they don't teach cursive. They don't. I don't <laughs> teach cursive. Lazy bastard. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, we'll definitely post a picture of our beautiful map. Feel um, free to make fun of it, yeah. but don't make fun of the stickers because yeah. that's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you can make fun of the map though. Yeah, make fun of the map. <laughs> Just go for it. Please make sure to like, subscribe, tell all your friends. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Premeditated Podcast. We post some funny stuff there. We post pictures of all of our cases so you can get an idea of what these creeps look like. Um, oh, yeah. I can't wait to post yeah, pics I, of this guy. Yeah, this guy's a real creep. <laughs> He's a t- uh, wouldn't want to go on a blind date with him. <laughs> but I might. But I might. Yeah. <laughs> Times are tough, you know? He had perfect teeth. Yeah, he did. And I love, I love a good set of teeth. Oh. That's like probably my number one thing is like a nice smile. Uh, Shoot us an email as we previously mentioned, you know, make sure you shoot us an email because- Yeah, you're going to say that like a million times. I love getting emails, guys. Like I love getting- true. Did we get any emails? We didn't get any emails. But I love any sort of, you know, email. I'm not going to give you my address, but if you have it, like shoot me some stamp. You know, I love it. Um... (laughs) But uh, send us over an email at thepremeditatedpodcast at gmail.com. All All right. right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And as always, tell tell your folks we says hi. Big head. Big. Oh.